connecting them together and sending them out and thanking them for what they have done. So you are more than welcome to join me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are here together with Pierre and Realate. Thank you for what they have done and still are going to continue doing in our lives because what they have said and what they have lived out here is something that we want to do as well. I pray that you will guide them and bless them on their new way down to Cape Town. I pray, Lord, as you have been making their path ready, that they will continue feeling your blessing in good times and bad times. I pray, Lord, that you will help them also to help the kids in a new lifestyle, a new way of living. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to use them in this beautiful way of their lives through envia. And we all know yeah, how blessed they are to receive this couple and to be, make them part of their community. And I pray, Lord, that you will help them just to continue your work there. We thank you for Pierre and Ria, and we pray, Lord, that your, your spirit will continue to guide them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Cool guys, we from third place, if you didn't know, from third place side, we are giving you presents. <laughs> so uh, this is like a communal present once again, uh, even though we think Ria will like this more, and Pierre will like that more, but then I also know Ria would like that more. <laughs> so Ria, everything is for you, but please, please, <laughs> but uh we didn't give that present a name, but even though, okay, great. So we just want to give this from our side to say thank you and good luck. And uh, then I also ask Ria, because Pierre is going to teach now, if she wants to share something, and then she's going to take the kids. Yeah, open up the presents. Dus we hebben om net een beetje de was gedronken, Rijten, kijk maar. Ja, ja. much to say. I think um, I think all of this is still surreal. The last month has been surreal. I just know that as much God is here, He's there. 
Um, and what I love about God is that He really loves us just like we are. If you think you screwed up or you whatever, it's okay. Because <laughs> uh, He still loves you. Um, he's the one that comes to you. Never think you're the one that goes to Him. He's the one that goes to you. And um, He really has so much grace. And even if you're angry, even if you're hurt, and even if you said never, ever again, um, he doesn't matter. His arms is always open wide. So he's waiting for you. And he will always wait for you. Um, and I'm honestly, if you know Strength Finder, I'm Includer. So our house is really open to all of you. <laughs> really. <laughs> That will make me very happy. And we'll drink wine. <laughs> and she was. <laughs> okay. All the kids can go outside. Also, there are kids who are Okay. Thank you guys so much. Yay, we'll see Thank you, Denda. I can't see him. So, but then it's unfair. Uh, thank you guys so super, super much. This is really uh, overwhelming and crazy. So uh, I want to start, I'll pray at the end or something, but um, I want to start as I thought of if doing the last one. Well, officially, I'm sure I'll be back if Nick invites me. Uh, I'll be back and teach every now and again again, but um, I thought that would be really cool to do the same teaching that I did when we planted first place, third place, first place, third place, which is um, Psalm 1. So the story of the Psalms is when we started third place, we decided that we were going to teach through the entire book of Psalms, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> it took three and a half freaking years. And I think people were so tired of it, like by the end of it, because like if you get a noch a fluk besalem, like you get another, in English, a precatory psalm, a cursing psalm. Because that's, like, that's actually the, mo the one that's the most common, in case you don't know, the precatory psalms, is uh, the ones where people are really angry at God. <laughs> so um, we went through the book of Psalms and obviously started with Psalm 1. And I still have all the teachings. And I thought it would be really cool to do Psalm 1 again as a last. Because I think... Uh, as I've said many times, standing in front of here, like life doesn't happen in a line, it, it works in circles. So you end one, you, you always end up where you began. So as we're going down and we, we're again now starting a new house, starting a new school, and again starting a new community and doing everything again. And so life, so life works, but every time you hit the same point again, you are changed because the journey changed you. You know the book, that great book, The Alchemist? I'm sure most of you have read it. And that's, a, that's the message of the book. If you haven't read it, this is a big spoiler. So <laughs> the treasure is at his house, like where he left it. So he went on this big journey and then the treasure is back. But, his, but he is not the same. He has changed. So that's why I thought it would be really cool to do the Psalms. Just one more time and do a Psalm 1. So um, the Psalms have this funny way. The entire Bible is about mostly God speaking to us to the people, except the Psalms. The Psalms is this weird piece of text where it's our voice 
speak is our voices in Scripture that is speaking back to God. And it's filled with uh, praises and joy and sadness and cursing and anger and frustration. So it's all, like Peter says, like all the ups and downs of life is like caught in the Psalms, which is why they are so intensely beautiful and they've been a part of the church from the very beginning where people taught through Psalms and prayed through Psalms and sang the Psalms. And it's also the most quoted book in the New Testament, actually. So even Jesus uh, quotes it on the cross, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is a song. So, And some people would go as far as to say that Jesus sang the entire Psalm 22, perhaps, on the cross, which is profound. So... Um, I'm going to read Psalm 1 for us. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you want to read with, you can, or you can just listen. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on a day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For God, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So in the psalm, so I was reading, like I actually have my, I was telling Nick this morning, I had my, I've got my first teaching out, like it's like 10, 11 years old. And I pulled it up out of my hard drive, out of my archive, and I was reading through it and going, oh my word, <laughs> some of the theology is really bad. <laughs> it's like, that's not so great. Okay, so I have, a, I have a little bit of a chance to like rectify it if you were perhaps at that first teaching. This is what it really means. <laughs> so, uh, so, but that's exactly, what's so funny about it is that that is exactly the point. So I think the first teaching was titled Paper Plane, Paper Plane Truth the unfolding and um, that's exactly the point of the the point of this psalm and the, the point of the Christian life for me and that's what I've learned I think in the last kind of 10 11 years is like that it's something that's always is always growing and changing and moving and in the middle of the psalm the most important thing in the psalm is always in the center so it's the way Hebrew poetry works so in the center of the psalm it says the People who will meditate in the word of God will be like a tree planted in this translation. It says by a river bank. But in the older translations, it will say by living water. And the point of this living water is, that, so in ancient times, um, you had two types of water, dead water and living water. And dead water was the water that was caught up in the cisterns. So if you ever go to Israel or to the ancient Near East, you'll see everywhere in the towns, in the cities, they dug these massive cisterns. They were like sometimes like even seven meters deep and about five, six meters wide, like these massive wells that would catch the rainwater. So in, so in times of drought or in the, you know, when it's not the rainy season, they could obviously have water. But this water, what happens to water that just sits there? Like, it becomes like stagnant and gross, and you get sick drinking it. So it's also why most people drank wine and beer all the time, because it was healthier to drink than actual water. So I think it was by the 11th century that the Pope said he's going to limit the alcohol intake now to only two liters per day for women and children. Yeah. 
two liters of beer per day for women and children. Yeah, because beer was safer to drink than uh, water. So, uh, and um, I think it's up to like a third of your calorie intake in uh, the Middle Ages came from beer. So, uh, but that's another story. So, uh, <laughs> in this, so you have living water and dead water. Living water was water that's flowing. So that's why in the NIV they translate, translated it riverbank, and it's flowing. And this is one of my, I think, if I have one thing to say, or one of the things I want to say is like, that it's always changing, and it's always flowing. And the moment you make church, in general, enjoy statements, and presenting and giving out press statements, or you know, taking a stand on something. And for me, I always cringe when I hear that. It's like, that's the worst thing you can do. Like to take a, you're always taking a stand. It's always against something. It's hard to ever force something. It's always just against something. And I, I don't think churches should be taking stands. I should be, you should be going for walks. Like it should, because it's always flowing. There's a, a saying, it's a Buddhist saying, but it's a really good one. It says, um, so we'll take it. It's a, it says, if God is a river, and you take a bucket and you draw from the river, would you then have God in the bucket? And you go, no. The answer is no. You don't have God in the bucket because God is the river. So the only way to experience a river is to jump in the river yeah, and enjoy and experience the flow of the river. And, and truth, when we talk about truth, the church has this way of when we discover truth, we canonize it and we declare it holy. And we go, this little part, this is perfect and holy, and we keep it almost on display like in a museum. We've discovered truth long ago. You can go see it. But truth isn't like, the truth is something that's, even in this psalm, it would be like a tree planted by living water. Something that's moving and flowing all the time. Where doubt, um, I've talked so many times about doubt in the last 10 years, where doubt is such a massive part of faith. Like, if, you, if you're not doubting, then there's something wrong in your faith. Like, because doubting is something that's it's revisiting your faith all the time and rethinking and going, wait a minute, when, oh, 10 years ago I thought like this about God, but now it's changed. Maybe that wasn't right. Maybe it's now like this. And then it'll keep going and keep going and keep going. And um, the tree in the psalm is fast because the word, it says, it delights in the word of the Lord. And the delight is, in the Hebrew, it kind of means to bend over, like the way that you bend over a child when they're sleeping, or the, the way you bend over a flower or something that you're admiring, is to enter into God's word and to meditate on it and to, and to eat it. And that that will give life. But now, it's, the psalm is so loaded because a tree in, in Hebrew scriptures always refers to only one thing. A tree always refers to the tree of life, the tree of life that's planted in the beginning of the book, in the Garden of Eden. It's normally, I think, in our nice Reformed tradition, we only remember the one tree, the tree of good and evil. But there was another tree as well, and we tend to forget about that one, which is the tree of life, which we you're supposed to eat from all the time. And the tree of life, the Hebrew people explained it also as the Torah, as the law, the way. And then when we see something like a law, with the law we see something almost like um, like the high school. We had a little book in high school, like the, your diary, and then in the back it had all the school rules in it. And then we see the law kind of something like that. You're not allowed to wear your hair like that. Your skirt has to be that long. You have to. You can't wear more than one earring. Like you're not allowed to smoke on blah blah blah. Like these random rules that somebody thought up, and if you transgress them, you get punished. 
But the understanding of the law, or Torah, and the tree of life is like going, do you want to be human? It's like, do you want to be, as Arnu said, like fully, completely present and fully yourself? Then that is the way to go. That is what Torah is. That is what life is. That is what the tree gives. That's what God gives. And in this psalm, it talks about the wicked and the ungodly and sinners. And when we normally or often think of sinners, of something, you know, somebody that, you know, drink, dances, and gambles or something, right? Like we have like the sin of the week. And whatever that sin is, then that gets preached on a Sunday. And like, don't do that sin, and then you'll be fine. But it's more than that. Sin goes much deeper than that. Because sin, at its essence, uh, the word means missing the mark. And when you read Genesis, and especially the Gospel of Luke as well, like sin is something that's anti-creation. Like when God is all about creating, and uh, the word in the word, there's a word that's used for God, bara, and bara means creating from nothing. And uh, God creates from nothing, and sin is something that's anti-creation that brings death. So when you live in sin, you're living something that is anti-life. Anti that is not who you really are. Because Also, repentance in Hebrew, there's the word teshuva, which means to return to yourself. To return to what God originally intended. In good relationship with Him, with one another, and with nature. And then... And if, when you're living in sin, it's not that you're just doing bad things. It means that you are not who you are supposed to be. And you're acting out of that. And that's what sin is. That's how I understand it at, the, at this point anyway. Maybe in 10 years it'll be different. But I believe that that is what it is. And that you're missing the mark. When sin is missing the mark, the mark is being your true self. Your God-like self. The self that God made. And that you get by eating from the tree of life that's planted by living water that's always moving and changing. So in Hebrew thought or ancient Near East thought, truth is not something that's static and rational and scientific. It's something that's unfolding, that's always, that's always growing and exploring. And uh, in our understanding, uh, Christians have this very weird understanding of truth. We don't understand truth as something that's rational and scientific. We understand truth as truth as a person. And we know that that person is Jesus. And it's so beautiful. In John 7, one of the I am sayings, and the I am sayings in John is all about Jesus' divinity. And one of the I am sayings happens in John 7, where the text reads, Jesus was taking part in the feast, and this was the feast of Sukkot. And Sukkot was like a seven-day feast at the end of the harvest. So, Lots of wine, lots of food, lots of joyous celebrations. People went into Jerusalem and built little Sukkot huts everywhere to commemorate their time in the wilderness and coming out of the wilderness. But it's also, as I said, time of the harvest. And there was this very interesting ritual that the priests did. So they went down to the pool of Siloam, where, if you remember the Gospels, where Jesus healed the man that was born blind, was by the pool of Siloam. And it's quite a walk from there all the way out to the temple if you ever go to Jerusalem. So the priests would take water from the pool of Siloam and then carry it through the city streets all the way up to the altar. So it's like this kind of bit of a walk all the way up to Mount Murian. And um, as they would walk, it was like throngs of people, like crowds of people all celebrating. This was the last day. So 
and every day this kind of ritual would take. And in the text, John 7, it says, on the last day, the greatest day of the, the feast. So just imagine this, like masses of tens of thousands of people all dancing and partying. They've been partying for like the whole week and eating and drinking wine and celebrating the harvest and everything. And, and um, as the priest would walk with this water, the people would cheer and they would go, God grant us success. You know, grant us success, bless us, grant us success. As he goes and he goes and he goes and he goes to pray for the next harvest, for the coming year and everything. So, and the priest would end up in the temple and the text reads, Jesus was teaching in the temple during the feast. So he was there. And the priest would take this water and as he poured it out onto the altar, the crowd would like roar completely. And it was at that moment, it said, it says in the text, Jesus said in a loud voice, now, it's significant that it says loud voice because he was trying to speak louder than all these people shouting and screaming and grant us success, grant us success. And then Jesus says, I am the living water within that, which is so absolutely incredible. Where in my belief that Jesus is the absolute, absolute center of the universe. That the Jesus stories, the Jesus story tells us something about the way that everything is put together, the way that we are supposed to live and the way that we are supposed to be human, that Jesus is truth, not Jesus has truth. Those two are very different things. Jesus is truth. And that when you eat from the tree of life, you are eating from Torah, from the Word, and Jesus is the Word. And when you are in Him, is then you have life. And when you're in him, you cannot help but love one another and help but forgive. And I think that that is where the psalm leads us. That it leaves it open again and says, there's more, there's more, there's always more. It keeps on unfolding and it keeps on unfolding and it keeps on unfolding. And that's kind of what I want to hopefully leave you with, is that God is, God is always, Robel refers to it like this, he says, God is always ahead of us. Like he, he is pulling creation towards something where we started off deep in sin, very far from him. And he's pulling humanity and creation forward bit by bit by bit by bit. And we have to so guard against canonizing everything and blocking it and building dams. Because every now and again we discover some new truth and we build a dam. And then we go, well, this isn't the way we did it 30 years ago or when I was it, because the world has moved on. And God has moved on. And we need to keep up and keep in step. So beautiful that Paul uses that image for the Holy Spirit, that you need to keep in step with God's Spirit, with God's truth. So I want to leave you with a, a couple of things that I've, got, that I've learned in the last 10 years, and they're really simple. I think uh, Lane, Lane Sweet also said, like, the more complex my theology gets, the more simpler my faith gets. So I think I've learned like, maybe like two things. Uh, God's grace is bigger than I ever thought possible. Ever, ever thought possible. And that's incredible. And the second thing I've learned is that uh, God's grace is bigger than I thought and that he likes me. And that's kind of cool. That's one of the things that I've learned like in the last couple of years. God likes me. Like love's this weird thing because I love many people. I just don't like all of them. You know? Like I love you, but I don't want to like spend time with you. <laughs> like, 
Like liking someone is is very different. So I think that God likes me, which is cool. And I've learned that people people are people. I think a couple of years ago we started calling third place a holy dysfunctional family. And then somebody got so angry at me the other day. It's like, how can you say that? I was like, well, that's it's true. We're not perfect. Like people go, oh, I got so hurt in church. I want to come and join your church. Like, dude, you're gonna get hurt here too. <laughs> it's gonna be the same because people are people. My mom always says you have to you have to you have to quit moving banks because there's people working at the other bank as well. <laughs> right? And it just depends who you hit. Or quit moving cell phone providers because there's people at the other one too. So um and I want to leave you, it was true what Nick says, what makes me the most angry is when people don't forgive. And when people don't forgive and when people bully and it makes me freaking furious. I'm, I just get angry just saying it. <laughs> so there was, there's a legend, and I think this will be my last words. So there was a legend that said the Apostle Paul, Apostle John, he was the, uh, the only apostle that wasn't, or the only disciple of Jesus that wasn't martyred, that wasn't killed for his faith. So he grew to be, we think, about 90 or so, which is super old for first century times. And the legend says that he had a community that he was pastoring and leading, and that when he was really old, they would carry him in on his bed into the, into the gathering, and he would only say two words, which is the words that I want to leave with you. Love one another. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can pray together. And thank you for Peter's words, leaving us with love one another. I pray that these words will resound in our hearts and that we will be reminded every day of the beauty of loving one another and adding a little bit of like. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Uh, people, there's some more coffee. Uh, and um, you are more than welcome to care like with beer and so on. You don't need to run off or anything like that. And if you brought something for the joy buckets, you're more than welcome to gooi geelkie in or so Thank you.